So the first reading is actually from Malachi, um, Malachi 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall, you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And then the second reading is from Luke. And it's Luke 1, 5 to 25. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb." And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realised that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. 
After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Amen. Well, it'd be great if you could keep your Bibles open there at Luke chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be looking at that together this morning. I thought, we're building up to Christmas, it's Advent, let's go for a classic pre-Christmas Advent text. So we're going to be looking at Luke 1, verses 5 to 25. Well, as I just said, Christmas is coming. In fact, it's less than two weeks away. Uh, I hope that doesn't stress you out too much. I hope you're getting organised. I wonder how you feel about Christmas. Uh, I know some of you love it. Uh, There's a big grin on your faces when you hear the music in the shops and you're decorating a tree and... December 1st or maybe November if you're keen and baking your cookies. Kids, Christmas is pretty exciting, isn't it? I remember losing a lot of sleep on Christmas Eve. But others of us are maybe a little more grinchy. A little bit more grinchy. Last year, about 12 months ago now, uh, I remember realising that I had a problem with Christmas. It wasn't a problem with the family or the food or the presents. I mean, that's all good stuff. It was a problem that I discovered while I was actually sitting in a Christmas service. And and as I sang those familiar carols and listened to the Christmas story being preached, I found that I wasn't experiencing any waves of joy or excitement or passion. I think, honestly, I just felt a bit bored, a bit dry, maybe. And as I walked out of that service, I realized it wasn't a problem with the service itself. There's nothing wrong with the songs or the, or the sermon. The, the problem was with me. The, the problem was really a, a spiritual problem. I, I wonder if you've experienced anything like this before. It's not just a Christmas problem. It can happen at any time of the year. You sit there as, as the sermon washes over you. And nothing really grabs you. and Nothing really resonates Sounds kind of empty while the preacher's talking about Jesus and joy. Maybe maybe it's happening right now. We know that the story of Christmas is good news. That's why the angels in our passage in verse 14, they say, you will have joy, you will have gladness, many people will be rejoicing. The coming of, of John the Baptist and then Jesus is meant to be joyful good news, isn't it? But how do we experience this joy? How can we experience joy this Christmas? So whether you don't really care for Christmas at all or whether you go all out on the festivities, this morning we want to ask that question together. How can we receive Jesus with joy? And in our passage today, God tells us that to receive his salvation with joy, we need to be prepared. If we want to receive Jesus with joy, we need to be ready We need to be prepared. Did you notice there at the end of verse 17? John the Baptist was coming into the world. Why? It says, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. See, what it means is you can only receive Jesus with joy. You'll only find Jesus to be good news if you're ready. If you're prepared to receive him. 
So that's what we want to think about this morning. How can we be ready to receive Jesus? How can we be a people prepared for the Lord? How can this Christmas be a time of, of joy for you? Not just the joy of honey glazed ham and a new smartwatch, but, but deep joy, spiritual happiness, lasting joy. Well, our passage is going to help us answer that question. And we're going to see three things. The first thing, what we see is that to receive Jesus with joy, we need to see God's amazing salvation plan. To receive Jesus with joy, we need to see God's amazing salvation plan. And to understand why I say that, we've got to go back. Back to the dusty streets of a little town in Israel where we meet two very humble and unassuming people who are about to have their whole lives turned upside down. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Well, they are just the loveliest old couple you could ever hope to meet. They're the couple at your church who you want to adopt as your grandparents. They're godly. They're faithful. They're an inspiration uh, to the community around them. But their life hasn't all been smiles and sunshine. Sometimes when Zechariah and Elizabeth walk down the street to the shops, people, people whisper to each other in hushed tones. I wonder why they never had kids. All these years and no children. Maybe God's punishing them for something they've done. Being infertile is a source of great sadness for Zechariah and Elizabeth. They've, they've waited. They've prayed. And now, as time slips through the hourglass, it's pretty clear that the wrinkled hands of this old couple will never hold a child of their own. And yet, in spite of the pain, by God's grace, they're not bitter. They continue to trust God. They know his ways are higher. They know his plans are best. They know they're not being punished. Well, one day, Zechariah, he packs his suitcase and he heads off to Jerusalem for a week. He's a priest, and this is a special week in the year where it's his turn to serve at the temple. When the priests arrive, they draw lots, and Zechariah gets given an even more special mission. While the others are going to wait outside the temple praying... Zechariah is going to go into the holy place and he's going to have the opportunity to burn incense at an altar. It's a huge privilege. No priest would ever get to do this more than once in their life. You, you can imagine the moment as he stands there in that, that hushed and, and holy place, just him and God. And suddenly out of nowhere, an angel appears. <laughs> Zechariah is terrified and no wonder but the angel says to him don't be afraid Zechariah for your prayer has been heard we aren't told what Zechariah was praying about it's the first time we're, we know that he's been praying it seems like while he's been standing there at the altar he's been praying to God what, what was he praying about well some people think maybe he was asking God one more time to give a child to him and Elizabeth. It's possible, but given how old they are, and given that when Zechariah finds out soon that they are going to have a baby, he doesn't believe it, maybe that's not the answer. 
it seems more likely that Zechariah was probably praying to God to save the people, Israel. That was his job as a priest, to pray for the people. And there's actually a background piece of information that we, we really need here, which is that things aren't going very well for Israel. Their enemies, the Romans, have taken over. When they walk out the doors, they see soldiers patrolling the streets. Israel isn't thriving or reviving. In fact, worst of all, God's voice has been silent for 400 years. That reading we had before from Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, that's the last time God spoke. That was 400 years ago. Malachi predicted in that passage this amazing coming of a wonderful prophet and a, and a season of revival. And, and then there's been silence from heaven for 400 years. You've been on the phone and the silence has gotten so awkward that you're starting to wonder if the other person has hung up. And so it seems most likely that Zechariah stands in the temple and says, Lord, speak to us again. Lord, Lord, save us. Send the prophet you promised. Send a saviour for your people. And then the angel appears and says, Your prayer's been heard. I wish, <laughs> I wish my prayers got answered like that. Good news. God's still at work. That, that's, what's, that's what this means to Zechariah. God's still at work. Amazing things are about to happen. Your wife Elizabeth, she's going to have a baby boy. You're going to name him John. He'll be known as John the Baptist who we talk about in church. Verse 15 says he'll be dedicated to God by not drinking any alcohol. He's going to be a great prophet, filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in the womb. And John's job will be to prepare Israel for the coming of Jesus. Do you see what's happening here? God is giving Zechariah a glimpse into his amazing plan of salvation. God's saying, Zechariah, open your eyes. I'm not done. I'm not finished. You thought I'd stop speaking. You thought you were too old to have kids, but my plans are bigger and more amazing than you can imagine. And I'm going to unfold them through ordinary people like you, like Elizabeth. And I can even turn your pain and your suffering into joy. So today we're asking the question, how can we receive Jesus with joy. And like a painter stepping back to admire the whole canvas, we need to appreciate God's plan of salvation. You know, if we think of Christmas as just this little baby just lying in a manger a long time ago, that can be pretty underwhelming. We need to know that this baby was the Son of God. He grew up, he became a king, he's a king who's alive today in heaven, and he's coming back any time. Could be this afternoon. Christmas isn't just about what God has done way back. Christmas is about what God is still doing. I live in Geelong West, I like to pace the streets, and usually I'm just sort of looking over the fence at all the houses as I walk by and comparing which house is nicest. And often in Geelong West, you kind of you get these old houses at the front. They can be like a hundred years old, and they can look kind of small and humble. 
And then you kind of peer down the back fence and you realise that people have put an extension on. And you realise that that sort of humble house actually has a second story and it just rolls back and back and back. God's plan of salvation is it's kind of like a house that you're wandering through and initially you think, okay, yep, there's a couple of rooms here and here. And then when you think you're nearing sort of the back of the house, you just realise that it blows open again and there's a second story full of rooms and there's an attic full of treasures that you've never discovered before and everything's ornately decorated. What God's doing in the world, it's, it's bigger and it's more expansive and epic than we can imagine. God isn't done with you. Do you know that? God isn't finished working in your life. He isn't finished transforming you. He he isn't finished using you. He's not finished with your loved ones, working in their hearts slowly. He isn't finished with South Barwon. God isn't finished with Geelong. He isn't done building a kingdom that will spread righteousness and love to every nation on earth. So first thing today, if we want to be moved and excited by Jesus, we need to remember what God's doing in the world, in the church, in our lives. If you want your joy in Jesus to be shrunken and shriveled, then keep your mind closed to what God is doing. So the first thing, to receive Jesus with joy, we need to see God's amazing plan of salvation. But there's a second way that we also need to prepare ourselves. The second thing this passage shows us is to receive Jesus with joy, we need to turn towards God. We need to turn towards God. Which way are you facing? Do you have your face towards God? Or do you have your back to Him? Have a look there at verse 16, this amazing prophecy about John. Look at what John came to do. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will turn them. It's hard to give a gift to someone who's got their back to you. John is coming to turn God's people back to God so they'll be ready to receive Jesus. We better ask, what does it actually mean to turn towards God? Have a look in verse 17. It says, John will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So, so there's two things going on here, really quickly. First, turning the fathers' hearts to the children. It's a bit of a weird phrase, but it seems to be quite literal. It's speaking about families being reconciled. Instead of selfishness and broken relationships... God's people turn, and as they turn to God, they they love each other. Families are reunited. Apologies are offered, and forgiveness is given. And fathers step up and lead their families to God again. Could reconciliation be something you need this Christmas? As we turn to God, He calls us to be humble to be peacemakers, to be forgivers. How can we receive love if we're not giving love? And nothing steals joy like a bitter, 
judgy, grudgy heart. Second, verse 17 says that the disobedient have their hearts turned to the wisdom of the just. It's really saying people are turning from sin to righteousness. When we're turned away from God, we have our backs to him and we're doing whatever we want. But when we turn to God, we're admitting, God, you're good. Your way is best. I want you more than anything else. You know, 12 months ago when I sat in that Christmas service not feeling very much at all, I, I think I know now what my problem was. It was that, that that Christmas, that December, I never really stopped to prepare my heart. I don't think I'd spent much time thinking about Jesus. I was at a friend's place recently and they, they had an Advent activity for December and each day they would turn over a new card and on the back, was a different name of Jesus. So one day it's light of the world, prince of peace, the good shepherd. Every day they're meditating on Jesus. Every day they're turning their hearts towards God. Last Christmas, I don't think the good news of Jesus was very joyful to me because I wasn't really hungry for God. I think I probably walked into church, I sat down and I kind of said, okay, preacher, uh, impress me. It's been a busy week. I've had a lot on. I've set aside the next, say, 20 minutes, and I want you to just remind me why God's awesome, why he's still worth it, why he's still relevant. Go. If you want to experience less joy this Christmas, I'll tell you how. Keep Jesus at arm's length. Don't think too deeply about his love or his grace. Don't think too deeply about why he came. He just did. He was just in a manger. Don't worry about admitting your own weakness and sin. And don't bother about letting go of all those other things in your life that take your fancy. And don't say to Jesus, I want to give my whole life to you, even my money and my time and my energy. Have you noticed what happens in Melbourne when a royal family member visits. A huge event is planned. The streets are cleaned, there's decorations, the red carpets literally rolled out and crowds line the streets. Melbourne is looking her best. There's something similar happening when we get ready for Christmas, isn't there? We like to make sure that there's nice food and nice clothes and nice presents. But actually, when we get ourselves ready for Christmas spiritually, we aren't meant to dress up. You're not meant to put on makeup. We actually get ready by exposing our flaws. God doesn't want his people to put on makeup, spiritually speaking, to hide their blemishes. Jesus didn't just come to conceal our blemishes. Jesus came to take them away completely. Wouldn't you love a skincare product that actually transformed your skin instead of just concealing things? Jesus has come to wash away all the sin and and all the guilt and all the selfishness. Santa says, you better be good if you want presents. Jesus says, well, you better admit you've been bad if you want my presents. Jesus is only going to be joyful news to me if I admit that my life is full of sin. 
and I leave behind those excuses and I admit I'm tired of living for myself and I want to live for something bigger and I want to live for something better. And as we turn to God with our whole hearts and our whole lives, God welcomes us. He says, yeah, now you're ready. Now you're ready to receive my son and you're ready to taste the joy of forgiveness and and complete acceptance and endless grace. Okay, so we've seen we need to see God's amazing plan of salvation. We've seen that we need to turn to him with our whole hearts and lives. So we need to see, we need to turn. Now third and finally, we need to trust To receive Jesus with joy, we need to trust the God of promise. Let's let's go back to Zechariah. He's standing there. He's heard the angel's words. It's just incredible promises of salvation. He suddenly just found out that he's going to have a child. The very thing he's been longing for, and he just simply can't believe his ears. (laughs) Verse 18, he he basically says, how can I be sure this is going to happen? Don't you know how old me and my wife are? I think there's a bit of humor here. There's there's just no way we are going to fall pregnant. And the angel's response is amazing. You're old? Well, I'm Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you today and to give you this news, which is definitely going to come true. He's like an FBI agent who pulls out his badge and proves his identity. The angel just shows Zechariah his credentials and says, that was a pretty silly thing to say. Zechariah was a godly man. We're told that at the start of the passage. But he wasn't prepared for what God was planning to do. He, he doubted. He underestimated God. He asks the angel for a sign And he gets one, but it really comes in the form of a punishment. Zechariah won't be able to speak for the next nine months until Elizabeth gives birth. You can just imagine how frustrating that nine months would have been. In a sense, God's saying, just be quiet, Zechariah. Just be quiet and watch me work. I will keep my promises. You just wait and trust. If you want less joy this Christmas, focus on your fears. Focus on the obstacles in your life. Focus on the struggles and then tell yourself that God is too small to overcome them. Tell yourself that God's amazing plan of salvation is simply too good to be true. Zechariah learned a painful lesson that day. A blazing angel from heaven stood in front of him and all he could see was his his wrinkled hands and his wife's barren womb. We have seen a lot more than Zechariah, haven't we? Because we live on the other side of the cross and we've seen John the Baptist come and we've seen Jesus come. He's been born and crucified and crucified and raised and he's ascended into heaven. We've received the Holy Spirit in our hearts with power and we've heard Jesus say, I'm coming back soon and I'm going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. But we are still waiting for a lot of that, aren't we? 
Some of us are grieving the loss of loved ones. This morning, God invites us to believe his promises. That he will be our comfort. That he will return and bring us to a place without tears or pain. Some of us feel like refugees without a church home this morning. God invites us to believe his promises. This church is still growing. And he does transform his people into communities of love and care. Some of us feel like the sin in our lives is stubborn and immovable. This morning God invites us to believe his promises. That his spirit is powerful to change us. Partially now, perfectly one day. So, let's not let the joy of Jesus be stolen through doubt. The promises we celebrate at Christmas are remarkable, yeah? God with us, sin and death defeated, salvation for the world. But don't doubt those promises just because they're amazing. They're promises made by the God who commands angels and causes infertile old ladies to become pregnant and even puts his spirit in unborn children. Sean will tell you that I like to be well prepared when we've got guests coming around for dinner. I like to have the food already cooking. I like to have the toilet clean and the table set. Because if someone knocks on the door and I'm not ready, then I don't... I, I tend to just feel stressed when I welcome them in. And I'm sort of fluttering around the kitchen uh, and I'm not really able to interact or talk with them or welcome them. But if everything's prepared, then I can welcome my guests with joy. This Christmas, if we want to receive Jesus with joy, we need to be ready. We need to prepare ourselves. And if, if for you at the moment, the good news of Jesus isn't bringing you much joy, you could test yourself with these three things. One, have I lost sight of what God's doing in the world? Have I forgotten his amazing plan of salvation? Two, have I been turning away from God, getting distracted by other things, forgotten that he's the best thing I have? Three, have I been doubting God's promises, becoming discouraged by the difficult circumstances in my life? And maybe as you're getting ready for Christmas this week, we can take some time to get ready spiritually as well. To see, to turn, to trust. See the big picture of what God's doing. Trust him with your whole life. Trust that he'll keep his promises. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are not finished speaking and you're not finished acting, that you're not finished with us, or this world, or this, or this church. Thank you that Jesus came as a baby, but that he grew into the King of Kings, that he is alive now, and that he's coming back to bring us to a glorious new place. Thank you that John the Baptist came before him to show us the importance of being prepared and ready 
not by being all dressed up, but by recognising our weakness and our sin and our need. Thank you, God, that you welcome people like that. Thank you that this Christmas there is joy in knowing that we can be completely forgiven, perfectly loved, safe forevermore. We give you thanks for Jesus and the salvation he brings. Amen.